0: This is Joseph Ravesi. I'm here with Sean Gastillo and today is the 17th of November 2013. Uh, we're conducting this interview at Sean's lovely apartment uh, here in the Noe Valley uh, section of San Francisco and this is part of Loud Fest, Philly. Hi Sean. Hello. Uh, uh, so let's go back to young Sean. Um, I know that you were born in Glassboro, New Jersey. I, I was born in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, uh, all right. I'm already up, wrong.
1: Grew up most of my
0: life in uh, New Jersey, though, in okay. Glassboro, yeah. Uh, so what year were you born? Uh, 1978. Okay. Uh, and your parents moved to Glassboro
1: from what's uh, Yeah, so we uh, moved from Pennsylvania to Virginia, then Virginia to New Jersey. And we lived at a town next to Glassboro called Pittman. Okay. And then we moved to, to Glassboro, finally.
0: Right, right. Uh, so young Sean, uh, kind of, you know, growing up, well, prior to discovery of punk and any of that kind of stuff what were your interests geez let's see uh, so god I can't even remember I've always
1: liked music um, uh, kind of alternative music um, but then prior to that uh, you know just hanging out with friends typical teenage stuff nothing mm-hmm. really remarkable okay <laughs> well going
0: back a little bit your parents came over from the Philippines right like they're yes. first generation here yes, yes. Um, why do they like to, to come over here:
1: uh, Well, my father wanted to go to grad school uh, in uh, Pennsylvania, um, so I was actually born in state, around State College, Pennsylvania, while my father was going to school. Mm. Uh, and then uh, so uh, it was my father and mother uh, that uh, came, uh, mm. and then they had left my four brothers and one sister back in the Philippines uh, while they, they completed, uh, my father completed his studies, uh, but then they had me. And then eventually we moved to Pittman, New Jersey, Uh, and then at that point that's when my father brought everyone else back to the to New Jersey from New Jersey. Yeah. Uh,
0: So how did how did the punk come into your life?
1: Um, Well, I have uh, an older brother, Angelo. Uh, He was living in New York at the time, and uh, he
0: kind of got into the punk uh, punk thing back then. Uh, So this would be like like early 80s or what time was he getting into that? Probably early 80s Um,
1: and uh, he introduced me to, you know, gave me some mixtapes of Mm -hmm. punk music which included The Exploited and Dead Kennedys and Black Flag uh, and that really piqued my interest and that's kind of what helped me start uh, getting into punk rock and uh, all that good stuff.
0: So what did you think that these things were kind of saying to you? Like were they in any way communicating to like something that you were looking for or you know, what, was the, what was the appeal you know, cause of this weird music?
1: Uh, it was just, uh, you know, at the time it was kind of uh, exciting and new because uh, it, it was so different from what I was used to. Uh, you know, and speaking with my brother, he would talk about going to shows in New York and slam dancing and, you know, he had a mohawk and a leather jacket and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, because it was just so different, and uh, you know, almost rebellious, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a way. So, and I thought, oh, that's kind of p- appealing.
0: So, what did your parents think? You know, coming over to to America, and then having their son with this, you know, ridiculous <laughs> hair, doing all this crazy stuff. And this is not, I'm talking about your brother, not even you yet.
1: Yeah, uh, they thought it was, you know, crazy American, you know, uh, just a crazy trend.
0: Uh, so, so they didn't try to shut him down.
1: Uh, no, completely? because he was living in New York, so there'd be, you know, they didn't really dictate to him, like, how to vis- live his life, so.
0: Right, right. Um, so then I guess you began to, to pick up, you know, probably more serious interest in this stuff, you know, digging deeper into it.
1: Yep, and then, uh, so, uh, I started getting, you know, uh, exploring more, uh, you know, getting some guidance from my brother's suggestions, uh, but him being in New York, you know, there was only so much you could do, so then I kind of went out and explored. You know, going to the record stores,
0: going to South Street. You know, so you were spread. then coming into Philadelphia. Exactly. I guess there was nothing. I mean, I know this from some experience I <laughs> There's probably not a lot of that in that part of South Jersey.
1: No. Yeah. No. Wow. So Philadelphia was my place to go to, you know, find these different things, and you know. Uh, how did you get into the city from there? I would take the bus, New Jersey Transit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so you know, I would make my trek. It'd be about. Uh, it was about 18 miles southeast of Philadelphia but with the bus you know it took almost an hour because of all the different stops it would have to take yeah but you know I would do that on a constant basis because you know that's where I could find things and do things when did you start attending shows in Philly god I'm trying to think if I can it was probably uh... I can't even remember the first show I went to um Probably late
0: 80s, possibly, uh, early 90s. Um, I, I would say probably late 80s. Yeah. Because, I mean, we were doing stuff by the late 80s. Yeah. I started going to shows in 87, so I imagine you probably went maybe even before me, right? Possibly. Or, yeah. I can't remember. Okay. Well, fair fair <laughs> enough. But, so, initially when you started going to shows in Philadelphia, where were you going to see the shows? Do right? you remember where the shows were happening? Uh, so, Revival, mm-hmm. um, Club Pizzazz. Um, yeah, definitely then late 80s and then 90s because Pizzazz.
1: Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's kind of coming back to me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, those were the venues, uh, you know, I would find out about these shows um, through the flyers on, on South Street or, you know, we'd go together yeah, go to yeah. the shows. Yeah, we
0: haven't met yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, you wound up uh, taking over the Philly Zine with yep. Jesse Townley. So exactly. how is it that you came to meet Jesse, Jesse. and became aware of the zine?
1: So uh, I had uh, gotten, uh, bought his zine, Philly Zine, uh, in Skins mm-hmm. uh, on yeah. South Street. Why do you
0: explain maybe what Skins was for <laughs> folks who might not know that.
1: So uh, there were two stores, uh, Zipperhead and Skins, uh, and they sold uh, punk clothing uh, and, you know, accessories. Uh, so you were buying I... some bondage trousers <laughs> <laughs> that tied together so you couldn't walk. Or I'd be buying like, a, you know, a Dead Kennedys Holiday in Cambodia shirt or, or a, you know black-white shirt or exploited shirt. Uh, that's where you would go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I had to uh, remember seeing Jesse's zine on the counter. Uh, I said, oh, this is pretty cool. So I bought it. Did uh, you know, what, were you familiar with zines at all at the time? Or was it the first? Uh... One of the first, yeah. And uh, at least one of the first local ones that yeah. I, I got, and uh, I was like, "Wow, okay." Um, so then I started uh, reading the scene. I thought this is pretty cool, and then I
0: contacted Jesse, and then kind of went from there. Right. So you you were hanging out with him, or you met him sometimes? Exactly, exactly. Right. So then how do you wind up being given the mantle that you know, <laughs> bestowed upon me, the the Phillies can say forward?
1: Well, Jesse uh, was moving to California, uh, so uh, he had asked me if I wanted to take over. And I said, sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting and kind of almost an honor that uh, he would uh, allow me to take the name and
0: kind of carry it on and continue the publication. Now, did he have the relationship with the woman that that we were involved with for a while why don't you explain kind of what the story of that was? Like Who, who was this woman? Because she, you know, she played a kind of significant role in printing a lot of zines for people. Exactly. For a cheap price.
1: Yeah. So uh, Jesse knew this woman from, I, I can't remember what college down in the southern part of New Jersey, uh, closer to the uh, shore. Um, but she worked out at this community college doing printing, and I, I'm assuming it was printing mostly for uh, the college, but she did some stuff on the side. Uh, which included printing zines. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: essentially, she would just like people would just pay her to run them off on their equipment
1: with their paper and everything. Exactly, and it was kind of the down low. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, but it was pretty cool because she did uh, help quite a bit uh, getting these zines printed at a cheap price, uh, so we could distribute it and sell them, uh, you know, at a, a good price.
0: So, right, right. So when you took over the zine, did you was it something that you kind of like wanted to bring to it or uh, like? What was? Did you have some kind of a vision for what you wanted to do with with this thing, with this Philly
1: scene? Uh, well, I definitely wanted to, to carry it on and you know cover the uh, Philadelphia scene, um, uh, but in some ways I also wanted to bring my voice to it, uh, which included uh, you know looking over uh, the scene and kind of giving it a, a unique voice uh, in terms of uh, bringing like. A, Homosexual voice to uh, the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, back then at the time, I wasn't not that I wanted to make it a completely gay scene. That was not my intentions, but uh, it, it would have been nice. It, it's nice to have a, a different point of view.
0: Yeah, I think that I mean I think what's really great about that is that, that was very unique for the time, I and mean, I think that the, there's been a lot more acceptance of, of gay within punk and certainly within greater society. But at that time, there really weren't that many vocal gay punk. Voices coming out in that world. Um, Yes. So, for you then, uh, who were you looking at? Like, who were the people who you felt were kind of like leading the way or speaking to you to say this is something that can be done or should be done?
1: Uh, So, Mike Bullshit was definitely
0: uh, a huge influence uh, in
1: in my kind of punk life. Uh, He uh, was in a band called Go. Uh, It was based out of New York uh, and he was an openly gay uh, singer, uh, for a hardcore band in New York, you know, and it was just kind of like pretty cool. And, you know, at the time, uh, New York, the hardcore scene in New York was very kind of macho driven, a lot of straight edge, you know, uh, you know, angry, a lot of posturing. Uh, and then there was Mike bullshit, uh, yeah. you know, uh, out and about, uh, and, uh, you know, didn't really uh, base him, and I thought that was a really great inspiration. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: I thought what was really neat about Go and Mike Bullshit was that, I think that prior to that, when you would have gay punk bands, th- they would have like sort of like, sometimes like a fay approach or something like that, or kind of like yeah. a, a more flouncy thing, where Mike Bullshit was doing fast, aggressive, male hardcore. Yeah. You know, and there wasn't a campy element to it, which no. I think was really unique in <laughs> You know, at first I think it probably allowed some people to accept it more, but also yeah. I like the idea that he had a masculine presence yeah. rather than he was like, he wasn't dressed up like a woman. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you probably appreciated that as well. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it was uh, absolutely amazing to,
1: to be friends with him, uh, well, to get to know him. I used to go up to New York quite a bit.
0: You're going uh, up to the shows at ABC No Rio, right? ABC No Rio. Uh, Why don't you kind of explain a little bit about what ABC was for, for folks who may not know what that was. Uh, so ABC No Rio was a,
1: uh, uh, got a place in the East Village uh, that uh, had shows. It was kind of in the basement uh, of, of this uh, place, and uh, it was relatively small, uh, but incredibly active uh, with lots of shows and uh, really exciting time uh, to be part of. Uh, so you know, again, I would go on a weekly basis and, and go up to New York, take the train, uh, and,
0: and hang out with Mike, and then go to the shows and help out. It you was know, just a wow, wonderful time. Yeah, yeah. Um, were there any other gay people involved in punk with a voice that you had an interest in, you know, what they were doing at that, at that early time?
1: Uh, Jason Kill the Robot uh, had a zine. <laughs> <heard> uh, <laughs> <that guy. laughs> uh, Kill the Robot was a zine. I think he was based uh, at the time in Ohio, and, it's hard to remember at the moment. Uh, but he was gay, uh, is gay, uh, and involved in hardcore, uh, so, uh, and I liked his scene, uh, very uh, nicely laid out, uh, really cool articles, lots of great
0: commentary, uh, you know, and you know, he was involved with the hardcore scene. I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So, th- was layout, did that begin to be something that was... Of interest to you around that time, because you, it seems like you've always had an interest in technology, which you've now kind of taken forward you know, yep. well into your career. So you're kind of there in early days of, you know, consumers being able to make this kind
1: of exactly. So I, you know, back then uh, I I can't even describe the style, but it was kind of uh, they were using PageMaker, uh, and you know, doing really fun things with fonts, really cool design. Uh, very bold, uh, but yet very uh, modern and minimalistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed that kind of uh, design uh, at the time when the, the zines were coming out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, design and all that kind of uh, uh, things with it have always been interest for me. And, you know, that's another reason why I liked uh, working with Philly Zine, you know, mm-hmm. being able to, to design something and, you know, have it produce and then sell it.
0: Yeah, people yeah. enjoying it, so that was yeah. definitely another aspect. I don't know if you ever saw this, but there's there's a guy in Chicago who made um, he has like an art gallery type thing, and he they his collective made this uh, book of different like zine covers and stuff, and he has some of your Philly zine covers. Oh really? Right wow! In that, yeah, which was like sold in his gallery and stuff like that. Oh uh, really, cool! It's pretty neat to see it in there. So oh. he's got that one with the Robbie robot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. oh, yeah. neat! <laughs> Yeah, it was always great for me like when we started working together that you could do this design stuff because I had no fucking idea how to do it. Like, I was just excited, like, here's a guy who could use different fonts <laughs> in different sizes. It was incomprehensible that this could be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so eventually, at, at some point, I mean, we met maybe like probably the late 80s, perhaps. I don't remember precisely how we, remember. if we met through some uh, another person or maybe we just started talking in a show.
1: No, so uh, I remember this because I had uh, written into Maximum Rock and Roll. Uh, and was looking for gay skinheads at Uh the time. What well, were, were you I looking you? for? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it was just interesting because you know I wanted to to meet more gay people in the scene. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, you know I don't know why I chose skinheads, but <laughs> I think <laughs> I know why you chose gay skinheads. But. Uh, so they were over masculine. So obviously, I, I I just wanted to meet people and get involved more in the scene. And uh, I think you had written me. Okay. Uh, because uh, I was so gay close. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because we, uh, you noticed where I lived, and yeah, um, I was in Blackwood here in Glasgow. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. I think that's how we met. Yeah, oh, that's good. That, that, that makes perfect sense. That that really Did you
0: want to meet any gay skinheads? No, oh, not at all. Oh, well, well.
1: I, I, I think I might have gotten maybe one or two
0: responses, uh, but never actually physically met one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's. I remember. I don't know if you remember this, how you came out to me. Do you remember this? This.
1: Were we driving somewhere? We yeah, we?
0: I, we were driving, I think, back to my parents' house. Yeah. Uh, and I believe, and I knew that you were gay because usually most people, when I you know, you meet them, they think nobody knows. Yeah. But it's usually really clear. Because <laughs> I was kind of like laying out little like little hints and little things to see how people you know react. Yeah. And, and when we, I remember you started to tell me this, and I already knew it, so I was just waiting to see how you were going to say it. And I remember we pulled up to my parents' house, and when you kind of finished saying it. I just opened the card room and went no, just like reacted like oh this is this is horrible. I'm joking <laughs> yeah. because of course I knew and yeah. I think you were a little taken aback <laughs> by that. And I was like no 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 of course of course I knew. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we began to we forged the cabbage club. You were one of the integral members of, of that group uh, mm-hmm. and cabbage club has been discussed in you know some other parts of the interviews. Um, but I wanted to kind of. Your, your take on that as well if you have some recollection of uh, like what we were trying to do and why and you know what the idea was for Philadelphia. So um jeez the cabbage collective <laughs> very fond memories.
1: Um, it, it was definitely uh, pretty cool to be part of that and to be you know, especially in the beginning. Uh, uh, from my recollection it, it was uh, we wanted to kind of embody the whole DIY ethic. Uh, And bring it to Philadelphia shows. Uh, I I know at the time there were probably other uh, people putting on shows, but I I don't think there were collectives uh, of people doing that. So, uh, I I, it's just uh, bringing more shows uh, to the city, uh, and then also creating a sense of community. Uh, I remember some of the punk picnics uh, things that uh, that were put on. Uh, So it was pretty cool. Or you know when we would have shows, we would people would bring food. Uh, you know, vegan food, and you know, we would, it, as part of the admission, people would, you know,
0: have food. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think it always kind of helps people sort of relax and behave in a friendly manner when they're, they're eating. Uh, yeah. you know, you're not going to really have a fight after you ate like the world's worst vegan chili or like a giant vat of spaghetti or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like
1: yeah. Um. but yeah, uh, the collective, uh, pretty, pretty, uh, cool to be part of and you know, to. I, for my part, uh, for the collaborative collective, uh, I know that I took care of some of the communication. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whenever we'd have shows, I'd post them on uh,
0: Usenet. Yeah. I'm not sure people are familiar with. Yeah, Usenet maybe you should. Usenet. I mean, for kind of <laughs> explain what what that was and this sort of. I mean, it was the internet of. Exactly. Early, so it, this is like mid, early mid '90s. Yeah. Yeah. So what what then existed and and how were you aware of its existence? So uh, I I think we
1: uh, maintained a a, uh, D-list, a distribution list or listserv, uh, when shows would come up. Uh, So I'd take care of that communication. I'd also post things in uh, Usenet, uh, which was kind of a big bulletin board. Uh, It's still being used to this day, but not probably to the extent uh, as back then. Uh, but I, I would post to like alt dot music dot hardcore uh, and then any other uh, sub uh, groups uh, where people would be interested in learning about the show so i 'd post uh, all the different uh, shows that were upcoming and then even post shows for other people uh, that were putting on in the area uh, so that was a uh, you know, a, a good way to keep people updated and keep in touch with people and, you know, have people learn about, you know, what's happening in Philadelphia.
0: Right. What was your portal into this world? I mean, do you have access through, you know, where you were living or did you get to go to the library or something? Like uh, so, or I,
1: at, at, in college. Uh, so, you know, go to the computer labs and post this stuff. Uh, and then at home, I would have access to the internet, uh, you know, uh, and I would do it
0: there. So, no, so you had like a dial-up thing. A dial-up thing, a, a yeah. BBS. I think they called them back then. Yeah, yeah I mean, I never had any of that kind sort of stuff, so it's all sort of alien to me. I mean, yeah. I was just happy that there was a big person who knew what this thing was, and that apparently other people used it. Yeah, which of course seems completely ridiculous now, but at the time, you know, yeah. Um, did did you see that, that like the society society was clearly moving in that direction towards like a wider distribution of, of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yes. absolutely. Uh, you know, just and you know, the
1: internet was still kind of uh, youngish at, at the time, and you know, it was evolving. Uh, you know, when I think about the web browsers uh, and the web pages back then, how crude they are uh, back then, and then now, how so advanced they are. So, uh, you know, that's why one of the reasons why I like technology uh, because it was uh, a very uh, easy way to keep in touch with people and let people know what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I tried to uh, do electronic versions of Fully Zine and try to distribute it that way.
0: Yeah, what was it? What time was it...
1: Yeah, I What's tried, I to, I, I tried to, I, I try to remember, I probably don't even have any versions of that, but I would, you know, try to create uh, you know, the Zine and then just try to distribute that way. Yeah. That was a long time ago. I don't think it, it, it did,
0: very, did very well. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, far, far ahead of your time <laughs> in that regard. Uh, so we worked together for a while with uh, No longer Fanzine as well. You were doing the, uh, a lot of the design stuff for me for that thing. Uh, any, any thoughts or feelings
1: about that extravaganza? Uh, no, it, it was pretty fun. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, when fully zine went away, I remember we did that split issue. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the transition. Into transition. That. Uh, so in a way, it was kind of nice to kind of step back from doing day-to-day stuff with the zine and then kind of helping you out uh, with layout or
0: writing or pictures. Uh, uh, so it was kind of neat to be a contributor that way. Yeah. Now you saw then zine culture really exploded in the nineties. I mean, when, when you started doing Philly zine, there, there were a fairly finite number of zines and there was certainly a significant community, but then there was sort of a great media spotlight on zines moving into the nineties, which of course dissipated as, as the internet rose. But, um, so did you feel like you were, you know, it was interesting to be a part of, of zine culture as zine culture became something that all of a sudden everybody knew about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so when I
1: kind of, kind of stepped back from doing Philly Zine, um, what I started doing, I had my own zine distribution uh, company called I Love You mm-hmm. Distribution, and I, I was doing that because, uh, you know, I would find these really amazing zines and I would
0: kind of want to share it uh, with everyone, uh, so. What were some um, of your favorites at the time that you were you were getting if you remember any of the titles? <laughs> 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 I to put you on the spot, so, I know this was 3,000 years ago. I know, this was a long time ago, I'm trying to think. God, I can't remember
1: any ones at the moment. Uh, Did they involve dialers and systems
0: of Mickey? Oh, punk? yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, what was it? The, the, the punk one, the um, Scam Punks. Scam, yeah. Uh, and then Scott Byben had his zine, uh, which I loved. <laughs> yeah, Because no. uh, it was just chaotic and crazy, and, you know, the fit his personality, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of like that uh, kind of scam kind of thing. Not so much that I enjoyed doing it myself, but did uh, you own a dialer? Kind of uh, of? I think I did. Yes, from Radio Shack, uh, <laughs> a, a, a blue dialer or whatever, black box or whatever, one of those things. I did at the time. And I did use it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought it was kind me because you know
0: it was kind of in a way hacking uh, a little bit hacking yeah, out yeah, of yeah, the system. Too, yeah. So did you did you do the mod on it or did you have somebody do it?
1: I think I was a. I think there was like a chip you had to get or something, but I
0: uh, uh, probably got help from somebody to do it. So yeah. uh, Last night when, when I presented the loudfest thing afterwards, I was talking to Mike McKee. Yeah. Or no, I'm sorry, I was talking to Bill Florio yeah. and a couple of younger folks, and we mentioned the dialer. And I could tell by their faces that they didn't know what we were talking about. Yeah. So I had to explain to them, and they just had no idea what the dialer was. And it just seems like you know there was, if you were of a certain age and involved in punk, the dialer booked Every tour for yeah. everybody, and every time you went on a trip or something, you know, you're just like plugging this thing in, putting the, the quarters in yeah. in, order, in order to make a phone call that was like $253 or something. Yeah. It almost seems insane. <laughs> Even back then, those phone calls were so goddamn expensive. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like that. Um, I, I like that kind of aspect
1: of the uh, punk scene. Because in a way, it's a do it yourself, you
0: know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so moving forward, ultimately, you wound up leaving Philadelphia. Moving on here to San Francisco, um, I imagine your connection to punk is not, you know, quite as, as strong as it once was. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about punk now, or your time that you were most actively involved in the thing? You know, look uh,
1: When I look back, I, it I still remember remember it fondly. Um, if it were not for punk, I probably wouldn't be here, uh, where I'm at with my career or my life. Uh, you know, being involved in punk was. Uh, definitely an eye-opener for me. It allowed me to be, you know, help me come out uh, to, uh, you know, friends and family uh, and then the the world in a way. Uh, It gave me a voice, gave me inspiration. uh, And then it opened my eyes to traveling and meeting other people. Uh, So when we used to do those road trips back in the day, uh, I just loved that aspect of traveling in a car and talking to people and, you know, being in close quarters and, you know, the good things and the bad things, uh, you know, I, when I look back on it, I'm like, wow, the, it's an amazing experience, And you know, driving across the country, I think I've hit, as a result of our different road trips that we've had, uh, I think I've been to every state uh, in this, uh, in, in America except for Alaska, mm-hmm. um, but because
0: of all the traveling we did with the tours and everything, we just got to see the other country. Yeah, and we were talking about this last night, where you said that you, you still have that desire to travel around, maybe coming from that. So because of the you know the lifestyle that you lead, you're able to kind of continue doing that sort of. Exactly.
1: I'm always thirsty for uh, meeting people and interacting with different uh, you know cultures. Uh, I, I just I have a thirst for that, and I always feel if if I don't travel, you know, in two or three months. Uh, I get really itchy, like I yeah, need to go wander uh, It's just like I need to, <laughs> to, to, to travel, so unfortunately I used to be, with my work now, uh, recently my job positions changed so I, I don't get to travel as much for work anymore. Uh, so I have to kind of carve out time, uh, my own personal time, to, to do the travel. Mm-hmm. But uh,
0: yeah, definitely the travel, it gave me the travel bug. Right, right. Definitely. slip back just for, for a minute. Uh, you're talking about how, you know, you came out into punk and then that was kind of, like, supported to you in some way or, or gave you the strength okay. to do that. Um, how did you feel that the punk community in general reacted to you as, the, like, coming forward as gay male punk at the time? I mean, did you, did you have positive reaction from some quarters and was there positive possibly negative reaction from other quarters?
1: Um, I don't remember any of the bad. I definitely remember the good, obviously. Uh, it, it, it was... Uh, nice to meet other people, other, other gay people uh, in the scene as a result of the zine, uh, you know, it helped me build a, a stronger sense of community with uh, punk. Uh, it, it was just, um,
0: I mean, it's just wonderful, definitely wonderful. How have you seen the, the level of, of general public acceptance of gay lifestyles change over the years from when you, you came out to the present? Uh, it's definitely uh, a world of, of change and of evolution,
1: and it's kind of nice. Um, but the problem is I live in San Francisco, so in a way it's a, a very much a bubble. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. what I see here in San Francisco is probably not going to always, you'll always see elsewhere. But, you know, with the... Uh, changing attitudes about gay marriage uh, is definitely wonderful to see happening uh, across the country and, and you know, we're finally catching up to other parts of the world uh, mm-hmm. with that kind of acceptance.
0: Right, right, so. right. Uh, and I'm kind of curious, and I, I think this is maybe for younger people who potentially listen to this thing, how did you come come out to your parents, and how did that go over? I mean, it's always a it's a you know it tends to be a sensitive issue for some people. Even now, when there's a, a greater level of acceptance, it's not a universal level of acceptance, and it tends to be a big move for yeah. some people to have to make.
1: Yeah. So uh, I I think my parents have known uh, all along that I was gay, um, and it, just one day uh, my father had come up to me uh, and said, Sean, are you gay?" And I said, "Yeah," and then. Um, I think I remember him saying okay and walked away and that was it. We never really talked about it. Not that he was angry or uh, disgusted with it, but it just wasn't something that was
0: important enough to discuss. Yeah, okay. So they never hassled you at all. Uh, you know, like, maybe you haven't met the right woman. <laughs> and, like, no bullshit like
1: that. Uh, they still, to this day, uh, my father will, I, I don't know because he forgets, but uh, he'll say, you know, did you find a girlfriend yet? like, <laughs> And Wait, I, uh, is he saying "Girlfriend"
0: in quotes? He <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't realize you live in San Francisco. <laughs> was kind of like the point of no return.
1: Well, it'd be funny because uh, you know I, when I would go to Philadelphia, uh, he said, "You know, Sean, be careful because you know of, of AIDS or something." So he was kind of
0: concerned in a way, uh, yeah. you know, of that. So. I guess the, the other siblings have given them the, the grandchildren, and put yeah, exactly. yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you get along with them.: with the, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I guess in summing the thing up, and this kind of touches on what you already said, uh, do you feel that you, you retain elements of the, of the DIY ethos or that you employ them in, you know, in your daily life at all now? you know, age, whatever, you know, living living here, doing the job that you do and and all that.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, it's given me, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, things that I've done in the past related to punk and, you know, all the publications uh, that I've uh, either distributed or or, or created or helped create. uh, You know, I always think back to that because, you know, it's kind of the creative, uh, for me, do it yourself as being creative and, and kind of. Uh, expressing yourself, uh, and it doesn't have to be punk related, but uh, you know that's what I kind of came with, uh, came out with uh, from that period. Uh, just uh, you know, not having to kind of wait for other people to do things, but you know, do it yourself. Uh, so uh, it's funny because I look at other parts of, uh, I have friends that. Uh, we're involved with punk, and you know they've gotten older, um, but they found different ways to do it yourself. So now they're you know making bread, and you know it's just uh, interesting to see you
0: know how they've taken that and applied it to different parts of their lives. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that in doing the interviews, and just in general moving through the community that the people have applied that ethos to other things, and I think it creates really interesting projects. Yeah. Really, really quality, really quality stuff that maybe wasn't there before, uh, and I think that that's great because. So we don't want it all to be concerned with music, and and you know as people who are older, you think that you know it should be expanding outwards and not remaining like some old dude. Yeah, old dude. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Do you still have a, a retain the masters of the zines and all that? Like, do you have a, a Sean archives? I do. Or? I
1: do have an archive. Yeah. So I have uh, most of the Philly zines and then older ones from Jesse, uh, and then I have uh, some no longer fanzines. Uh,
0: but yeah. You can mm-hmm. sell this on eBay for 50 cents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's good. Well, super. I really appreciate you uh, talking about Well, yeah, controls. thank you. I'm glad to be part of this. Thanks. Thank you.